The Week in Doubt, episode 278. Hey everyone, I'm Phil Albertelli, the host of The Week in Doubt, a podcast for atheists, agnostics, and whoever. Before we start, I'd like to thank Eric Lichtenstein and Neil Gaffey for liking The Week in Doubt Facebook page. Thanks, guys. I actually went to school with Neil, and he's the younger brother of one of my best friends from back in the day. I believe he's a person of faith and may even be a justice of the peace or something along those lines, if I remember correctly. So uh, it should be interesting to see what he thinks of my posts. Actually, to be fair, from what I can tell, he's also pretty open-minded and left-leaning, so there's probably a lot we'd agree upon. But thanks, my friend, and hopefully I don't scare you away with my irreverence and a occasional blasphemy. And before we move on to the news, I should stop to say, here in the Northeast, we're experiencing um, a pretty wild storm. Basically, uh, rain and really heavy high-speed winds. And uh, the power's been out for hours now, so I'm actually recording this on my laptop using my blue raspberry mic as opposed to my blue yeti mic um and for an internet connection um i'm using the personal hotspot on my iphone so you might hear it i guess uh depending on your perspective um this either annoying or soothing background noise and that would be uh the rain kind of pelting off of uh my roof and windows here um so apologies for that And in a weird way, I'm glad that I got this excuse to test out my Raspberry uh, mic. Um, I think I mentioned maybe a couple of weeks back that I had bought this little blue Raspberry microphone when it first came out over probably roughly a year ago or whatever. Compact little mic made by the same people who make the the Yeti uh, that's meant to be able to plug into either a computer or... Uh, a mobile device, like a, uh, I think specifically iOS devices, like an iPad or an iPhone. And it never seemed to be working right from day one. So I sent it back to uh, Blue Microphones, and they confirmed that something was wrong with it. So they replaced the unit. Um, I remember I said I was thinking about seeking sponsorship from Blue Microphones, maybe doing little spots for them during the show or at the, or at the uh, beginning of the show. But I wanted to see how they handled this situation first because it was taking them a while to process my service case. But it looks like they came through with flying colors, so maybe I will. Like I said, I want to uh, hold on to my principles to some degree. I don't want to just shill any product. If I'm going to run spots on the show, I want it to be for a product that I either personally use or that I can at least verify is uh, trustworthy or whatever. So we might see what happens with that. And also, just to let you know, this is a completely sober episode. Uh, It's only like four-something in the afternoon, and uh, no kratom today and not a drop of alcohol. Not even a little Yohimbi. So um, uh, I doubt that'll make a huge difference, but I figured I'd mention it anyway. (laughs) Um, But anyway, on to the news stories. Now, I had no choice but to cover this first one. It's that crazy story about the AR-15 blessing ceremony 
And I want to thank friend and listener Leanne Backstrom, uh, my autocorrect change it to Backstroke, uh, for bringing it to my attention. And I think Joe Pugsley also sent me a link about it. But I'll read a little bit from the Ross Story article Leanne brought to my attention. And so it's entitled, Church Blesses Assault Weapons Because Returning Christ Will Pack an AR-15. And it looks like it's by Bob Brigham. Uh, It's dated the 21st. And I should say, this reminds me of, uh, I'm trying to think who that military person was, this kind of high-ranking military officer. Was it Jerry uh, Boykin, I think? It might have been a story I covered a couple of years back. The way time flies may have even been longer than that. But he was talking about Jesus returning with either a uh, an AR-15 or an AK-47 or something like that. Maybe I should look it up real quick. Yeah, Jesus, no pun intended. Uh, this goes back to uh, 2014. Time does fly. I'll just read the headline. Uh, this was yeah February 19th of 2014 from Right Wing Watch. Boykin, when Jesus comes back, he'll be carrying an AR-15 assault rifle. So not just the uh, weapon of choice of mass murderers, but of messiahs also, apparently. But back to the story at hand. So it says, parishioners in Pennsylvania are planning to attend church services armed with AR-15 rifles so that they can be blessed, WNEP reported. And uh, here's a quote. This will be a big thing for us. It's a new stage for us because it incorporates the rod of iron as it is in Revelations. Revelations talks about the returning Christ ruling with the rod of iron, said Tim Elder. I like how they jump right from rod of iron to AR-15. I mean, how do you make that leap? And so it continues, Sanctuary Church and Rod of Iron Ministries is an offshoot of the Unification Church founded by the late Sun... <clears throat> I always thought it was Sun Young Moon, but it looks like Sun Myung. Sun Myung Moon? Is that right? Um, first name, S-U-N, middle, M-Y-U-N-G, and then Moon. Um, and I grew up always hearing about Sun Young Moon or Sun Myung Moon or however you pronounce it, um, and his kind of cult of what people referred to as Moonies. Uh, th- that's how people always referred to his followers when I was growing up. And it was looked at as this kind of fringe but undeniably large religious movement or organization. Yeah, so anyway, I'll continue. Sanctuary Church and Rod of Iron Ministries is an offshoot of the Unification Church founded by the late Sun Myung Moon. I feel more comfortable saying Sun Young Moon. I don't know why. Uh, It is led by his son, the Reverend Sean Moon. Uh, This Rod of Iron is the AR-15 in today's terms, Elder claimed. It's like, how the hell do you know that? Biblical texts are notoriously open or subject to interpretation. And something like the rod of iron, can that be figure of speech for meaning, you know, he's going to rule with a strong hand or something? Or rod of iron, if, if you're going to talk about a weapon, couldn't that be a variety of things? Um, why does it have to be specifically an AR-15, you know, or some kind of assault rifle? Elder is referencing Revelation 2.27, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father, the King James translation reads. Other translations refer to an iron scepter instead of rod of iron, a semi-automatic scepter that shoots deadly projectiles. (laughs) 
okay. So is this the, the Messiah's answer to our to our worldly problems? More firearms? <laughs> oh, I, I'm not a believer, but let's say I'm wrong and Jesus does come back a couple of thousand years late. Didn't he say that uh, the generation he was talking to would not pass before the return of the Son of Man or whatever? You know, I always try to get to a party a little early. Yeah, some people a little late. 2,000 years, you know. Um, but let's say he does come back and he's some, like, AR-15 packing NRA supporter. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And and just remind everyone, Revelation is the book, right, that almost didn't make the cut into the New Testament. There was that case of mistaken identity, uh, mixing up John the Apostle with John of Patmos, I believe, right? Um a very strange and lurid book, Revelation is. Uh, let's see. So much for uh, Jesus, meek and mild, I guess. I've come not to bring peace, but an AR-15. Uh, Sun Young Moon. All right, so I looked up how to pronounce it. So there's this pronunciation. Sun Young Moon. I don't know if you can hear that. It sounds like someone saying Sun Young Moon. That's the way I always heard it growing up. Then there's this one. Sun Myung Moon. Sun Myung Moon. I might go with Sun Young Moon. I'm not going to lose any sleep at night if I uh, mispronounce the name of some dead cult leader. Some of you out there might think uh, cult leader is a little harsh, but hey. And so it goes on. Sun Young Moon also founded the conservative Washington Times. And I had no idea about this until I read this article. The AR-15 blessing ceremony will occur in Drare Township in northeast Pennsylvania. The Moon family moved their car firearms factory to nearby Blooming Grave in 2015. The Reverend Sean Moon attended the car firearms grand opening, which is run by his brother Justin Moon. We are so inspired to be in this land, so different from the other states in which we've been, said Reverend Sean Moon, Sanctuary Church. Car Firearms moved to Pennsylvania to be able to manufacture so-called Tommy guns, semi-automatic Thompson submachine guns. The Prohibition-era weapon is also known as the Chicago Typewriter. And that's also uh, an unlockable weapon in uh, Resident Evil 4. (laughs) Just to let you know, I'm a big uh, Resident Evil fan. The video games, not the movies. We had to look for more gun-friendly states in Northeast. We had to look for more... Here's a quote, but it's like in broken English. Maybe it's because they're originally from Korea. I don't know, but it says, We had to look for more gun-friendly state in Northeast. Pennsylvania, as a large state, is most gun-friendly Northeastern state, Justin Moon explained. It's the minority that keeps on saying we have an issue. Issue is decided, Justin Moon argued, adding, We love freedom. We love our guns. We're not going to give them up. And then I think there's an embedded video, and it says, Watch parents of students at the nearby Wallenpapak, I think it is. Sounds like a Native American name. South Elementary School worry about the AR-15 blessing event. Or maybe it's Sun Myung Moon. I don't know. Who cares? Uh, anyone remember that Seinfeld episode where I think um, George Costanza's father, Frank, is talking about how he had known the Reverend Sun Myung Moon? And uh, describes him as having a face like a big apple pie. But here's a bit about him from Wikipedia. 
So he was born on the 25th of February, 1920, uh, died in September 2012, was a Korean religious leader, also known for his business ventures and support of social and political causes. A Messiah claimant, he was the founder of the Unification Church, members of which considered him and his wife, Hak Jahan, to be their true parents, and of its widely noted blessing or mass wedding ceremony, and the author of its unique theology, The Divine Principle. He was an ardent anti-communist and advocate for Korean reunification. Businesses he promoted included News World Communications, an international news media corporation known for its American subsidiary, the Washington Times. It says Moon was born in what is now North Korea. When he was a child, his family converted to Christianity. 1947, he was convicted by the North Korean government of spying for South Korea and given a five-year sentence to the Hung Nam labor camp. 1954, he founded the Unification Church in Seoul, based on conservative, family-oriented teachings from new interpretations of the Bible. In 1971, he moved to the United States and became well-known after giving a series of public speeches on his beliefs. Then it says he got in some trouble with the U.S. government for supposedly willingly filing false federal income tax returns and was sentenced to 18 months in federal prison. His case generated protests from clergy and civil libertarians who said that the trial was biased against him. It says critics labeled Moon a leader who made high demands on his followers. His wedding ceremonies also drew criticism, especially after they involved members of other churches, including Roman Catholic Archbishop Emmanuel Malingo. I take it the Archbishop wasn't getting married himself. Maybe he was just kind of giving his blessing, no pun intended. Um... He was also criticized for his relationships with political and religious figures, including presidents of the United States, Richard Nixon, George H.W. Bush, and George W. Bush, and also Soviet President Mikhail Gorbachev, uh, North Korean President Kim Il-sung, and uh, Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan. So definitely a very interesting figure in a way, and seeing as he had his own kind of take on or interpretation of Christianity, you would think that this is the type of guy that people on the right wouldn't want to touch with a 10-foot pole. And yet, at the same time, he was also uh, very anti-communist and obviously very pro-gun, so that may have kind of endeared him to the right, I suppose. We really are apes, though, aren't we? <laughs> a bunch of, uh, bunch of shaved apes thinking that some magic man in the sky wants us all to pack boomsticks. Just a crazy story, especially on the heels of everything that's been going on with uh, that recent school shooting and all the back and forth about guns in the news. Let's see, maybe I'll just scroll through some other stuff I posted to the Weekend Out Facebook page this past week. Yeah, so there was a, kind of a disturbing story coming from uh, Patheo, specifically from Hemet Mehta's uh, Friendly Atheist blog. I mean, not super disturbing, like some kind of massacre or something, but kind of like, you know, disappointing, unsettling. Uh, it, it had to do with Lawrence Krauss. I probably won't spend too much time on it, but um, it's entitled Lawrence Krauss Faces Sexual Misconduct Allegations from Multiple Women. And I, I believe this is actually by uh, Hemet Mehta himself. Sometimes I think there's guest uh, writers uh, on his friendly atheist blog. And I think I mentioned this while talking to some people recently that I can remember uh, whispers about this kind of thing, about possible uh, sexual misconduct by Lawrence Krauss. Um, those kind of stories going back a few years, maybe. 
back roughly to around the time of the whole Atheism Plus, Gamergate thing, um, around the time when there were uh, some rather disturbing allegations against Michael Shermer as well. It's not that these high-profile atheists or skeptics or science communicators, whatever you want to call them, um, are tied to Gamergate or anything. It's just in my mind, that's how I associate it. I, I found out about Gamergate around the same time I found out about Atheism Plus and free thought blogs and about this whole kind of weird schism in the quote-unquote atheist community. And I remember someone leaving me a negative review on iTunes um, around that time, uh, and they had complained how well, a, a lot of people seem to like this podcast. I tried to give it multiple chances, I'm paraphrasing, but the last straw was when he talked about sexual allegations against high-profile atheists or whatever. And I'm like, sorry, you know, what do you want? Um, I, I cover news stories having to do with atheism, religion, um, members of the skeptic or atheist community, community in quotes. Um, and I do my best not to drag anyone through the mud or to make false allegations or to slander anyone. And I think even back then, I talked about how much I've always admired Michael Shermer, how much I, I've always liked him, uh, what a nice guy he's always seemed to be, you know. And... Um, how I thought he's always done a great job as a science communicator and how that I didn't know if any of the allegations against him were true or not. So, you know, I had the reserve judgment to some degree and I, I hope that they weren't true. And, uh, I think I may have had a similar, I mean, as I was saying to, uh, some people online the other day, I was, I was never really a huge Lawrence Krauss fan. I think he did contribute to, the kind of atheist versus theist dialogue with his whole a universe from nothing thing. And he has uh, helped, quote unquote, our side of the argument, you know, to some degree. I, I don't want to strip him of all merit or whatever. But I never personally cared for his debating style. I always found him um, a little too dismissive, ironically, of the other side. Instead of trying to logically dismantle their arguments, he could often just be kind of rude and dismissive. Um, so as I think I said to friend and listener Leanne Backstrom, I don't know if she wants me to keep mentioning her last name on the air. Uh, my apologies um, if you'd rather I refrain from doing that. Uh, but I said, if these allegations against Krauss turn out to be true, I personally won't have lost a hero or anything, you know, but, um, if they are true, I obviously feel bad for the, uh, the people who were harassed, etc. Um, and I feel bad for the people who did look up to him. But once again, I guess at this point, these are all allegations, you know, um, and I don't want to get into the details. If you want to find out exactly what he's being accused of, go to Hemet Mehta's Friendly Atheist blog and, Look up the story. Lawrence Krauss faces sexual misconduct allegations from multiple women. Uh, that's the once again. That's the title. So there was one more story I wanted to talk about, and uh, other than the fact I think it involves a church, it's really outside the usual wheelhouse of the show. But I just found it so kind of disturbing yet compelling in a morbid kind of way. I figured I'd talk about it. And I did post it to the Weekend Out Facebook page. 
And uh, it was being covered by a bunch of online news outlets or sites. Uh, But I'm going to read from the Daily Mail. And so it shows this picture of a really attractive young woman. Uh, This young, blonde, blue-eyed woman, 20, I, I guess, and the the weird thing is, and I feel so bad for her, the weird thing is, I'd say the most kind of like compelling or mo- thing about her or her most magnetic feature is these kind of smiling blue eyes she has. And uh, the story involves how she basically ripped her own eyeballs out. I know it's pretty, pretty graphic, so you don't have to listen to this if you don't want to, but it says pictured. Woman 20 blinded after she gouged out her own eyes in front of a church when she was high on meth and heard voices telling her that she had to sacrifice them to get to heaven. And then there's some bullet points here and it says, New details emerged in the case of a South Carolina woman who gouged eyes out. Kaylee Muthart, or Muthart, I don't know how you pronounce it, 20 had a drug-induced freakout by church on February 6, left blind after removing her own eyeballs as crowd tried in vain to stop her. Now her mother, Katie Tompkins, speaks out in an emotional interview, says Kaylee will never recover sight and wants to warn others of drug dangers. Yeah, so it kind of reiterates or repeats itself here. Fresh details have emerged in the horror case of a woman who gouged her own eyes out in front of a church. Kaylee Muthart, or Muthart, I don't know, 20, had been using meth for about six months when she freaked out on February 6th in Anderson, South Carolina, her mother told People in a new interview published on Thursday. Katie Tompkins, mother to Kaylee and six other children, said she thinks Kaylee first started using meth unintentionally last year when someone gave her marijuana laced with the drug. Doctors believe that the meth she smoked earlier this month was also laced with a chemical that caused her to hallucinate. She thought the world was upside down and heard voices that told her to sacrifice her eyes in order to make it to heaven. Just days before the incident, Kaylee told her mother that she was ready to go into drug rehab. And I guess it was her mother's birthday the day before it happened. She says, I was getting ready to have her committed just to get her off the streets and away from it, said Tompkins, but I was too late. Parishioners at the South Main Chapel and Mercy Center heard Kaylee's screams and ran outside to find her holding an eyeball in her hand. She fought them off as they tried to help, and by the time paramedics arrived, she had gouged out the other eye. A team of deputies finally managed to control Kaylee, and she was airlifted to the trauma unit at Greenville Memorial Hospital. I can't even explain that feeling when I found out it was horrifying, complete terror. Tompkins said of first hearing what her daughter had done. I was thankful she was alive, but I knew something was wrong with her. Says she remains hospitalized. Doctors have cleaned and treated her orbital sockets to prevent infection. They're recommending that she get prosthetic eyes to preserve her facial structure and keep bacteria out of the sockets. Kaylee insists that she get aqua green prosthetics to match her natural eye color, her mother said. Yeah, so maybe technically aqua green. They look kind of blue in the photos. And it says she also wants to warn other young people about the dangers of drug use. I don't know how I'm getting through it, but she has given me strength. It's weird to say, but she uplifts me right now, and she's the one that can't see. That's just the kind of person she is, Tompkins says. I'm thankful. It's a horrible thing, but I'm still thankful because God spared her life. Um, I don't even necessarily feel like attacking their religious belief or dragging God or the absence thereof you know, into it. Yeah, it's just such a sad story, such a waste. 
yeah, this young girl who ironically, once again, you know, had these beautiful eyes. And, uh, you know, at first I was thinking maybe she was predisposed to some kind of mental illness and the meth triggered a psychotic break. But this says she had been doing meth for six months. So maybe that prolonged meth use just took a toll on her brain and she finally had a break with reality or whatever. Uh, But they're also saying that the meth she took on that day or whatever may have been laced. And uh, perhaps it was. Um, I mean, something like that, that almost sounds like, I don't know what, like PCP or uh, bath salts or whatever you want to call it. When I was growing up, you'd hear like crazy stories about people on PCP. Um, And the drug kind of temporarily gives you this almost superhuman strength, you know. And uh, so, I mean, they claim she was holding her eyeballs. Uh, I mean, I don't even know how you do that. I think beyond just the fact that, you know, the pain or whatever of digging into your own eyes or whatever would probably deter you. Um, But just the physical task, too. I I don't even know how, how the hell do you get your fingers into your eye sockets and actually remove your own eyes. So I don't know if, you know, she was holding these still perfectly round spheres or if she just dug out her eyes you know ruined them i don't know at first i was picturing her actually holding these two fleshy orbs and i was thinking i'm like hmm, i wonder why they couldn't um reattach her eyes or something but maybe that's kind of silly and naive of me maybe she just dug apart her eyes and pulled everything out um just nasty yeah just a, a, a tragic loss I'm not going to beat up on her for uh, using drugs or whatever. I mean, I I think it is self-destructive and foolhardy to get caught up in in the chronic or frequent use of a hard drug like meth. I know I joke a lot on the show about, uh, you you know, I actually only drink on the weekends. Um, I'll drink if I go out and uh, I'll have a drink or two while recording the show sometimes. And I'll also joke about taking like Yohimbi or Kratom, you know, these like these herbal supplements or whatever. Um, But these really kind of hard, really destructive drugs, you know, whether you're talking about like meth, cocaine, uh, heroin, whatever. I mean, these are drugs that very well could end up destroying you if you take up the use of them. So, I mean, it's a shame she even started down that road, but she's a young kid, 20, you know. Sometimes people just do stupid things. They they get caught up in bad habits or whatever. Or they, you know, they at first they think they're just dabbling in something. And then before you know, it, it becomes an addiction. Maybe she had issues in her life she was trying to run from or whatever or deal with. And obviously doing a highly destructive drug isn't the way to deal with your problems. But maybe there was a reason why she was hooked on the shit, you know, other than just chemical dependency. Um, Yeah, it's too bad, though. I mean, it's, it's just a horrifying story. It's too bad the people around her weren't able to keep her from doing that to herself. Uh, but that, I guess I'll... Uh, I'll probably call this episode quits. So it's like 6.03 now. The sun's just about completely down. And uh, no lights other than the glow of my laptop. And uh, I'm getting the low battery warning. And I think um, 
my iPhone only has 38% left. <laughs> so I, I'll probably be in complete darkness soon. So I guess wish me well. <clears throat> Where I'm going, I won't need eyes to see. <clears throat> Wasn't that, was that Sam Neill in, uh, was it Event Horizon? Where we're going, we won't need eyes to see. That's freaky. Probably shouldn't be joking about that after the last story, but, oh, I don't know, cut me some slack. All right, so you guys know the drill, Facebook, Twitter. If you want to help the show out monetarily, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash theweekendout and supporting the show for as little as 99 cents a month. All right, brothers and sisters, until next time. Mm-hmm.